Recorded in the heart of the Ozarks, this is Front Porch Anarchast. One man's attempt to spread the ideas of freedom and liberty, one podcast at a time. Reaching out to those of you who are straddling a fence somewhere between statism and freedom. Front Porch Anarchast. Freedom starts on your own front porch. And the podcast starts now. I heartily accept the motto that government is best which governs least. Carried out, it finally amounts to this, which also I believe, that government is best which governs not at all. And you're listening to yet another episode of Front Porch Anarchast. Today's episode is coming to you from the mobile studios, so please excuse the road noise. might be a little louder than normal. Unfortunately, my schedule doesn't allow much time to record, and today I have about a 45-minute commute, maybe an hour, uh, probably more like 45 minutes. So I thought, hey, what a great time to record an episode of Front Porch Anarchast. Today's episode is the first episode of 2020. I really would like to have recorded an episode before now, but life gets in the way. One thing leads to another. I don't think there's been an episode since probably mid-December. But that's the way it goes. You get what you pay for, guys. So I'm thinking about calling today's episode... I'm not moving to Somalia. As an aside, I'm going past a a field full of goats and sheep right now. I'm really not sure if they're goats or if they're sheep. You'd have to see the flock there, or the herd, whatever it's called, to really understand that. But one of the animals, either a goat, I'm assuming it's a goat, so they've attached a stick to this goat's neck. And or sheep, whichever it is. And the only thing I can think of is is it's, you know, kind of an anarchist at heart and doesn't agree with fences. So you put a big stick on his neck and he can't squeeze through a fence. That would be my guess. Unless there's a shelter somewhere that he wants to get into that they don't want him to get into. But it's like a, I don't know, a six-foot stick or a pole or something that somehow or another they've tied around this goat's or sheep around his neck it's interesting one of these days I may stop by there and just ask them what the story with that is because in the past we've had goats they're pretty uh, well, the goats we had they pretty much stayed in their enclosures well we had, we did have the one that would get out but with a little bit of work he was pretty easy to, even to keep in so I'd love to I'd love to hear the story behind that goat kind of have a feeling he's a kindred spirit so anyway i was talking about calling this episode i'm not moving to somalia anyone who who considers themselves a libertarian or an anarchist or a voluntarist they've probably been told or they've heard the uh, heard the expression if you don't like it here then you should move to Somalia. I don't know how many times 
I've heard that, saw that written, or had people direct that comment toward me, and it just happened again just the other, just the other night. I should probably just stay off of social media, but, you know, trying to change hearts and minds. It's kind of hard to do when nobody's listening, so social media seems to be a great place to start. And someone who I know in real life, a real Trump fan, not only is he a real Trump fan, he's just a real government fan. He spent some time in the military, whichever branch, so there's probably some Stockholm Syndrome going on there. And he was talking about Trump this or Trump that, and he said that he was pretty sure that what's wrong with what's wrong with this country is the liberals or the Democrats or something, and then and their silly ideas or something along those lines. And then I just I, I basically took the same thing he said and just put politicians in there and commented uh, on his comment. And then, so his question was, what is the difference between a businessman and a politician? So he's really hung up on Trump being a businessman and and multiple times in our conversations, he's, you know, he's told me Trump is not a, he's not a politician, he's a businessman. Well, you know, by definition, Trump is a politician. Anyone who gets elected is a politician. And people vote for you and you get a political office. You're a politician. But, alright, so he can't really make that connection. Refuses to see that Trump is a politician. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not against Trump any more than I'm against any other politician. I'm not for Trump any more than I'm for any other politician. I do believe he provides a lot of comedic relief. And I love to see all the arguing and bickering amongst these people, and they don't they don't see the bigger picture. Anyway, I've gone totally off the rails there and forgot where I'm uh, where I was headed. Oh yeah, so he's all hung up on Trump being a businessman instead of a politician. And any time I point out that Trump is by definition a politician, he wants to turn that back around. Anyway, so. He's asking me, what's the difference between a businessman and a politician? And basically, I end up telling him that a politician can stick a gun to your head and take your money where a businessman can't. Until the businessman gets in bed with the politicians and have the politician stick a gun to your head and then give the money to the businessman. Well, that totally messed up his his whole argument, I guess. And basically, he told me if I didn't like the system, I should move to Somalia. Well, he didn't say Somalia. He just said I should move away because there has to be a system, and this is the system, the best system. And, and I just wonder that if this is if this is supposed to be the land of the free, why is it that why is it that when I start talking about freedom, people want me to move to Somalia? Why do they want me to move to someplace that? that doesn't even claim to be the land of the free, to be free. Now, usually I counter that with, well, why don't, if you love authoritarianism so much, why don't you move to North Korea? Sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. But, you know, as, I, as I've as i explained to them, I, 
I was born here. My family's here. I speak the language. I don't speak any other languages. I'm, I know the customs here, the rituals. I'm familiar with the food. So why should I have to move just because I want to be more free? And what it boils down to is these guys don't want to be free. They want to be free to submit to others. And, you know, I really don't have a problem with them submitting to others. If that's, if that's their cup of tea, if, if that's yours, then fine. Go ahead. Pick somebody. Follow that guy. Do whatever he tells you to do. Send him as much money as he wants you to. I have no problem if you want to follow Trump as a leader or if you want to follow Joel Osteen or whatever his name is as a leader. You know, you can follow whoever you want to. And and this idea that just one, that there has to be one system in a huge landmass, that's just ridiculous. There's no reason why I, as a person, can't live next door to someone and we both have totally differing views on the world. The only thing we have to do is agree to leave each other alone. We don't even have to agree to it, we just have to leave each other alone. That's that's it. If you can just grasp that concept that it's okay to have differing opinions. It's okay to do different things than your neighbor. Even if he lives next door to you, right next door to you, you can live differently than he does. As long as you two don't try to take that right away from him, from each other, or from others. To me, it's such an easy concept to grasp. There's not, there's not one business model in the uh, on the North American continent, right? There's there's many business models, and all of these businesses interact with one another. They all have customers. They all survive. I mean, you know, not all businesses survive, but it's not it's not because of the business model being a flop. I mean, some are. Well, you get my drift. We could go... I could go into different business models. I don't really think that's necessary. Also, you can look at churches. How many different types of churches are there in the U.S.? There's not just one kind. I'll agree that the majority are Christian-based. But even, even among those, you have different kinds of Christian ideologies... They all survive. They can all get along. Well, as far as churches and church people can get along. Sometimes I run into some hypocrisy there. But anyway, I think, again, you understand what I'm saying there. You can have many different churches in an area. You can have many different businesses in an area. Many different restaurants. All restaurants, I mean, you know this, that all restaurants don't serve the same foods. Some restaurants... You sit down in, and they come and take your order. Some restaurants, you go to the to the counter, you make your order. Some are fast food. Some are you know, some 
actually take the time to cook their food, to order, and they all survive. Now, why can't the same thing? I'm driving past a, I'm I'm driving past a car lot right now, and I realize that the that the uh, that the automotive sale industry, I totally blanking on what that what the real name for that is, but uh, there's you know thousands of car lots across the U.S. Tens of thousands of car lots across the U.S. I've already passed three on my four on my way to work. They're not all identical. Some are buy now, pay here. Some are places that try to get you some financing. Uh, Some are places that you just have to bring cash to the table. There's some like the uh, like the dealerships that sell new cars and they try to get financing through their companies. There, a lot of different business models. They even have car vending machines now. Believe it or not, look it up. Car vending machines, or they also have services that you order your car and they bring it to you, drop it off at a um, drop it off of a trailer right in front of your house. They could drop it off on a parking lot somewhere and you go get your car. There are many different business models for selling cars. So why is it that we have one system of government in the U.S.? Well, we have a bunch of different governments in the U.S., but we basically have one system, and it's a constitutional system. Some will say that's a republic, but anyway, most most governments in the U.S. run off of some sort of a constitution or a charter, and most of that, I would, I would say, is based on the U.S. Constitution. And being constitutionally based means that someone has assumed authority, and they are assuming my consent. I don't imply any consent. I don't expressly give my consent to be governed by these constitutions, but I am anyway, which is just that's ridiculous. If you're if you're a freedom lover, if you're a person who loves freedom, wants to be free, how can you force someone else to be governed by your rules, your form of government makes no sense to me. And when I point when I point that out, you know, people say, "Well, there has to be some there has to be something." Well, you know, again, as long as you agree to leave other people alone, there really doesn't have to be anything else. I'm still trying to figure out why it's necessary to steal a person's house, sell it, and let the government take the proceeds from that sale just because the guy lets his yard grow up for whatever reason. There's a fundamental flaw there with whatever form of government that really is. I 
I've probably talked about that on the um, on the podcast before in a different episode, but um, that's an actual situation where a guy he um, he went to take care of his dying mother, or maybe his maybe his mother had already died. He went to take care of that. He's living down in Florida. Grass grows pretty quickly there. He sets up a um, he works something out with a guy who's going to come uh, keep his lawn mowed. He's gone for a couple of months. He comes back, finds out that his lawn's all grown up. The the man who was supposed to have taken care of it had actually died. And this this other man evidently didn't even know about it, right? So his yard was overgrown. And the city had been charging him some outrageous amount. Like I, I don't remember what it was, if it was $500 a day or whatever. Anyway, so... By the time he gets back to his house, he finds out that the city has sent him a bill for $30,000 for the eight weeks or whatever that his lawn was overgrown. He couldn't pay the $30,000, so the state of Florida forecloses on his house and is in the process of selling his house. Now I'm sure at this point I I don't even know if it's if the sale has gone through at this point or if they're still fighting this out in the courts. If I had thirty thousand dollars to give this man, I'd just give it to him and let him keep his house, and then worry about trying to fight the government. But I don't have the thirty thousand dollars. I but but what kind of government is that that will take a person's house because their grass grows over a certain height? makes no sense whatsoever. If you think that's freedom, you don't know what freedom is. Oh, but an overgrown lawn is dangerous to other people. Well, I'm not really sure how it is. I mean, I've had overgrown lawns. I mean, I lived in the woods for years, a couple of years at least, and mowing was not very high on my list of priorities. I mean, yeah, we had a snake or two, but it was never the fault of being grown up. I mean, we lived in the woods, so, I mean, snakes came by, right? Do mice live in overgrown areas? Well, I guess they do, but, you know, if if your house is reasonably sealed off, then you shouldn't have problems with mice. I know this for a fact. So... If you have a mouse problem, then you have a mouse problem. If your neighbor has an overgrown yard, that's his problem. I, Again, I don't understand that. So I'll go off on a, a separate tangent, I'm talking about you know what, what does constitute harming another. I don't think the overgrown lawn does. I've, I've been into it again, on social media with some people, and usually it's the same guy over and over, and he claims to be a real libertarian, but he's got a real, uh, I almost said something there that uh, would not have been very politically correct. He gets very aroused by talking about drunk drivers, or people who are drinking and driving, and he gets very aroused by talking about beating these people. Does it harm someone 
if someone else drives during the drinking process, during their while they're consuming alcohol or shortly after they've been consuming alcohol, in and of itself. I don't think it does. Up until the point where they crash into somebody, right? Or cause somebody to crash. That's when that's when there's an issue. Without without that actual act of harm, how is drinking and driving actually harming someone else? Is it potentially harming someone else? Well, isn't everything potentially harming someone else? I mean, a restaurant, every day they're open, they're, they're potentially harming someone else. So there's a bunch of regulations and everything that get, that get put in place, usually by government, and they have all these bureaucrats that enforce all of these regulations, and they go from restaurant to restaurant and finding these violations and trying to keep everybody safe. People still get sick. I mean, how many times have you gone to a restaurant? I've been to a couple of restaurants and just dog sick afterwards. And, you know, we all know where it's coming from. If you order the if you order the shrimp, steak, and chicken fajitas at the Mexican place, you haven't been sick in three years. You order this food, you eat it, and, you know, 30 minutes later, you're puking your guts up and and other unpleasant things, then, you know, the chicken or the shrimp were probably bad. Undercooked or stored the wrong way or something. It still happens, even with all these regulations. So back to my drinking and driving issue. Don't get me wrong, I don't drink and drive. I've never crashed into anybody. I've never crashed into anybody after drinking or not drinking. I think the issue with drinking and driving comes along when you crash into someone. I mean, to me, that makes sense. And But that goes the same for texting and driving or recording a podcast and driving or plugging in a USB cable into a uh, cigarette lighter, you know, does the, does the cause of the crash really matter? Is it, is it worse that you're drinking and driving and you crash into someone and kill them? Or would it be worse that you were screwing around with the radio and you crash into someone and kill them? Either way, you're not intentionally killing someone, right? The guy makes a, a choice to drive after he's been drinking. Now we know people don't make the best choices after they've been drinking. So you're going to have to you're going to have to put that on he chose to drink. But the person who crashes into you while they're plugging in their USB cable, they chose to plug that USB cable in. So they chose to put your life in as much danger as the guy who chose to drink. It To me, it makes no sense. I, I did do a little bit of research. 28% of traffic fatalities involve alcohol. I don't know how many of those are single vehicle accidents that kill just a drunk driver. 
But anyway, 28%, that means that 72% are caused by other, other reasons. I do understand that drinking and driving is not a great idea. That's why I don't do it. But I also understand that texting and driving is not a great idea. I, under, I also understand that driving 75 miles an hour in the rain is not a good idea. So I don't do that. I see plenty of people doing that all the time. Do we want to pull them out of their vehicles and, and give them 40 lashes? Maybe. I don't know. If you crash into somebody, you know, when you're going 75 miles an hour in the rain, you know, what should happen to you? What about people who drive too fast in the fog and they get involved in these massive 300-car pileups? You've seen the videos where these trucks just go plowing into the back of people because they won't slow down in the, in the fog. What should their punishment be? When they, when they plow into somebody like that. I mean, they're intentionally driving faster. Uh, they're, they're intentionally driving too fast because they, they can't see that far ahead of them. They don't have the reaction time. And even if they had the reaction time, you can't stop a big truck on a dime. You can't stop a car on a dime when you're traveling 75 miles an hour. So anyway, I don't see how a libertarian or an anarchist or a voluntarist can can want to impose some sort of uh, punishment on a person who is merely drinking and driving. I, you have to decide what constitutes drinking and driving. Is it consumption of any mind-altering substance? Um, sometimes after I eat something that has a lot of sugar in it, I, sh I probably shouldn't be driving because it makes me lightheaded, dizzy, whatever. Or if my blood sugar gets too low, I have the same problem uh, where I just feel kind of out of it. So should, should sugar be monitored? Should everybody have to wear these monitoring? Maybe that's what we should do. We should put these monitoring devices on people who it would monitor their blood alcohol content, their sugar content, caffeine content, nicotine content. Because, you know, sometimes people get all fired up if they don't have a cigarette and they're used to it. They get all nervous. They start jonesing for that for that cigarette and, you know, maybe that causes them to crash. So maybe we should, you know, just start. That sounds like real freedom, right? We just keep everybody safe by sticking these uh, mandatory monitoring devices on people while they're driving. Yeah, that would that would be great for freedom. How does all of this get me to Somalia? Uh, and as an aside, I think it's funny that this libertarian, this self-proclaimed libertarian guy who talks about drunk driving is, a, uh, is putting people at great risk. Uh, he's also against... DUI checkpoints. Now, I am too, don't get me wrong, but he's he's really against these. He's, he spoke out multiple times about it. 
So uh, how does he propose that you catch a person who is drinking and driving? Well, I asked him that, and he said that, you know, it's proof that they've been drinking or they get caught drinking and driving when they've crashed into a building or, you know, they've crashed into something. Which leads me back to, if you're not stopping somebody, if a person's driving is not bad enough that they're, is not bad enough for them to crash into something or to cause a crash, how would you know that they're drinking and driving in the first place? And if you don't know they're drinking and driving, when they're drinking and driving, then maybe the drinking part, maybe the drinking and driving part isn't the problem. Well, I know it's not the problem. It's the crashing part or causing crashes. That's the problem. Otherwise, it's just drinking and driving is just an arbitrary number. You have to look at any alcohol consumption or you have to set a threshold. And, and that's pretty much arbitrary, too, because, I mean, hey, I've seen guys who have been arrested 14 times for DUI and they've never crashed into anybody. So is that person a hazard when he's driving while under the influence? It sounds to me like he's not. It sounds to me like he's probably a better driver than most people are uh, who haven't been drinking. Again, I'm not condoning drinking and driving and I can see where it's a bad idea. But it's really the crashing that we're trying to avoid by punishing the drunk driver. So, what does it matter that, that the crash is caused by drinking and driving, or if it's caused by texting and driving, or plugging in the a USB cable while driving, or trying to pick up a sippy cup that spilled while driving? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Crashing is crashing. Oh boy, so I went totally off the rails there. I hope you stuck with me. Anyway, how does that get me to Somalia? But when I point out the fact that it's the crashing that causes the trouble with drinking and driving or or that there are many systems for many different business models for restaurants or for car lots or for retail businesses when i make these when i make these points and use these points to prove or as proof that there doesn't have to be one form of government in a given geographical area. People tell me I should move to Somalia. And there's a host of reasons why that's just why that's just wrong all the way around because I mean, hey, without the authoritarian governments who went over to Somalia and destroyed the place, Somalia would probably be a lot better off, but let's just, I, I get it, they're saying move somewhere else if you don't like it the way it is here, yet they go to vote every, you know, every election, they go to vote, so they're, you know, they're changing things up too, they're voting for legislators who, 
who are changing things up. You know, I don't understand why I can't just ask to be a little freer. You know, maybe just leave me alone. I don't care who you decide to follow, dude. Just give me that, you know, give me that, afford me that same opportunity. Let me choose who I want to follow. You choose who you want to follow. I'll wave at you, you know, when we go to work every day or when I see you out barbecuing or when you're on your way to church, you know, I'll wave at you and say, hey, how's it going? I hope you have a great day, you know, and you go do your thing, I'll go do my thing. I don't understand why why I have to move to Somalia to instead of our lives being that way. It doesn't make much sense to me. Got some idiot flying up behind me while I'm trying to get over into the right lane. Let's see if he figures this out. I bet that person's not even drinking and driving, but, you know, I had to get in the left lane so I could let a guy merge in. He was on an on-ramp, and so they sped up, and I turned my blinker on, as I'm required by law to do. But it's also a great idea. It's one of the few times when I can actually see using a blinker to signal that my intention to move over to this lane, even though this idiot's flying up, he's in the slow lane, and passing people on the right, and I guess he was going to try to pass me, although there was a car up in front of me in his lane. I don't know. It's probably more, it's probably more than you're going to want to know about, but anyway... Long story short, I'm not moving to Somalia. I'm going to stay right here. And I'm going to keep advocating for freedom. And in my case, the truest form of freedom that I can find is anarchy. And don't be fooled by the hype, guys. If, uh, if you've ever researched the word anarchism, it seems like a bunch of uh, communists have tried to take over that term and they want to... They want to say anarchism is something about libertarian socialism. Yeah, it's not, guys. Anarchy. The absence of rulers. It's really that simple. Rule yourself. Doesn't mean no rules. You're still going to, you know, you're still going to have to interact with people on a social level. You're going to have to do that. But you don't need a ruler. You don't need one. If you'd like to have one, then, as I said before, feel free. Go ahead, grab you a ruler, and, uh, you know, worship him, or send him money, or, you know, whatever, lick his boots. doesn't really matter to me. I don't care. The problem comes in when you're trying to force your ruler on me. And that's kind of the antithesis of, of freedom. Don't forget, we do sell t-shirts. I've been working on some. As a matter of fact, just before I uh, took off for work today, I was uh, weeding out a taxation and stuff t-shirt. I think, uh, well, shirt. I think you guys might like that. If you would, just go over to our uh, partner page, Gray Uncommons, G-R-A-Y, Uncommons, on Facebook. And, uh, and check that out. I'm going to try to get that posted up as quickly as possible. I weeded out the design today. Uh, the kids helped me, kids helped me cut it out. 
on the cutter and they watched me weed it and tonight or tomorrow I'll get it pressed and probably get it done about the same time this episode is uh, mixed and ready to go edited, mixed, and ready to go so check that out if you want one send me an email and uh, we'll see what we can do work something out there and if you're uh, if you have a podcast please send me a uh, send me an email to Front Porch Anarchast or uh, you can reach me on the Facebook page Front Porch Anarchast also over on MeWe Front Porch Anarchast um just send me a, an email or a message through one of those methods there and let me know you have a podcast. I'd love to hear it. If you're listening to Front Porch Anarchist, we might have some uh, some things in common. I don't say this often enough. I know you have uh, busy lives. I know you have other things to do. There's thousands of things you could be doing rather than listening to Front Porch Anarchist. So I, I do appreciate that. I, I do appreciate the listeners that I have. If you agree with anything I've said or you disagree with anything I've said or if you're just moved to send me a message, just please do that. I love the interaction. And that's going to be it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you come back for more. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast of the Front Porch Anarchist. Like and share our page or send us a message at Front Porch Anarchist on Facebook. No masters. Anarchy needs no masters. Front poor channel cast.